Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Well, go with me to Isaiah 53 and uh, tonight. I want to begin something that I, I think we're going to be uh, teaching a lot on on Sunday uh, or Wednesday evenings and maybe Sunday mornings uh, on this subject of types and shadows and uh, especially where healing is concerned. Uh, you've got to understand that the most dangerous thing in the body of Christ is half-truth. The most dangerous thing is half-truth. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, where the subject of healing is concerned, here's a half-truth. Well, God can heal. That's half-truth. Because there's another side to that. There's, a, there's another half. Not only can God, God wants to. Right? Uh, someone will say, well, God can do anything. That's a half-truth. God can do anything that you put your faith in. If God could do anything that He wanted to do, we'd be living heaven on earth right now, right? Because that's His plan. But uh, we want to begin to look at this because uh, we want to look at some reasons tonight that it is God's will to heal, and then look at some types and shadows of this. Isaiah 53 and verse 1 it says, Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Now, he goes on and says, For he, Jesus, shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely, that word surely means without doubt, no reservation, surely without doubt. He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded or tormented for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace or the chastisement that was needful for peace, was put upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Hallelujah. Now the arm of the Lord is an Old Testament term for the power of God. And it says, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Isaiah is saying this, that those who believe the report are those that the arm of the Lord or the power of the Lord will be revealed to. Who hath believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? To those that believe the report. All right? He says here, concerning Jesus, that he bore our sorrow, bore our griefs, and carried our sorrows. The word sorrow means pain. He bore our pain. And the word griefs means diseases. So he, he, when it says that he 
bore our griefs, he bore our diseases, and carried our pain. So Isaiah is seeing this by revelation in the Spirit. This is being revealed to him by God. Peter quoted this verse, except at the end of what he was quoting, he placed, by the Spirit of God, he placed our healing in the past tense. With his stripes you were healed. Is that right? Peter states, by his stripes you were healed. Peter is looking back at Calvary. Isaiah is looking forward to Calvary. And Isaiah is saying, because of what is going to happen, now this is important, Isaiah is saying, because of what what is about to happen, we can be healed on credit. All you got to do is believe what's going to happen and the arm of the Lord will be revealed to you. Amen. Jesus, the Bible says, is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Yet at this point in Isaiah, he had not taken those stripes upon himself. But God revealed to Isaiah, revealed it to Isaiah and said, if you'll believe on what's going to happen, you can be healed on credit. All you got to do is believe what's going to happen. Amen. In the Old Testament, they received on credit. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 that all of those people in the Heroes Hall of Fame of Faith died in faith, not having received the promise. Now, here's the key, though. What kept them? They weren't born again. They weren't saved in the sense that we think of it. Yet, they didn't go to hell. They went to the place of the dead, Abraham's bosom, but How were they justified? By faith. They put faith in the promise that was coming. The promise that's talked about in Hebrews chapter 11 is Jesus Christ, the promised Messiah. They put faith in Him, and because they put faith in Him and believed what was said about Him, by credit, God justified them. Oh, glory to God. See, it's, it's, it's like, and I don't, obviously advocate that you live your life this way. But, you know, all of us have went into uh, a store before and, and uh, wanted something right then and put the credit card down or the store card down or whatever and got it that day. And then we had 30 days to pay the bill. Is that right? Well, you took the item home. How did you take the item home? On credit. Was it your item? Yeah, it was. It was your item. Because you signed the note and said, I'll pay this bill in 30 days. Is that right? Hallelujah. In the Old Testament, they received on credit, and then Jesus went to Calvary and stamped paid in full on the note. Oh, glory to God. When the devil tries to put sickness on you, you can declare that bill has already been paid. That debt for sickness has already been paid and taken care of. Amen. You need to tell the devil, you can't charge me twice. You can't charge me twice. 1 Peter 2.24 is proof that that bill has been paid. Amen. Say this, by his stripes, I was healed. By his stripes, 
I am healed. If I was, I am. Do you see that? If you were something, you are. Oh, glory to God. Let's go over there to 1 Peter 2, 24. Brother Hagin would say this. He would say, when you know by his stripes you were healed, like you know 2 plus 2 is 4, you'll stay healed. 1 Peter 2, 24. Who his own self bear our sins in his body, on the tree or to the tree, that we being dead to sin should live under righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. I like the Woos Bible because it says, by means of whose bleeding stripe, the word stripe is in the singular here, a picture of the Lord's back after the scourging, one mass of raw, quivering flesh with no skin remaining, trickling with blood, you were healed. Amen. You've got to show this to the devil. When he says, you know what, you're sick. You say, no, no, I am not suffering with something that he bore for me. Say it out loud. I'm not suffering with something Jesus bore for me. Hallelujah. Because there are things that Jesus suffered as our example. What's an example of that? Persecution. The Bible says all that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. You are not redeemed from persecution. Right? I, I remember when I worked in the corporate world. Uh, I, you know, with me, I, you get what you see. What you see is what you get. I am what I am. I'm a believer. That's what I am. And so I was always encouraging people. And, and, and I got some, some uh, uh, you know, kickback for that. Because that a, a certain person was of a, of a certain... Uh, uh, Lifestyle bent, and they didn't care for the fact that I was a believer. So they tried to give me a hard time about it. Well, that was a little bit of persecution. That's just a, one example. Small bit of persecution. But I wasn't redeemed from that. I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed from destruction, right? I'm, I'm redeemed from the loss of my job. That's the same job that they said, well, we can fire you. And I said, no, you can't because you didn't give me this job. God gave me this job. You can't fire me from a job God gave me. Amen. And I kept my job. They didn't keep theirs, but I kept mine. <laughs> so, but I'm not redeemed from persecution. Right? But listen, there are things that he suffered as my substitute. Things he suffered as my example and things he suffered as my substitute. This is important. Because anything that Jesus suffered with or for as your substitute, you don't have to suffer it because somebody already paid the price. That's important. And, and, and when you get a hold of this, something starts happening on the inside of you when you realize I have, I, the price for that has already been paid. I don't have to suffer with that. Amen. When I got a hold of that revelation, that's when I decided I didn't have to be sick ever again. Amen. And I've said it for years. Flu season will come around and people will talk about it and I'll tell them, I don't mind telling you I'm never going to have the flu. I'm not going to have it. I'm not participating. I tell the church every year, you know, the world's saying it's flu season. Let's all just decide right now we're not participating. 
Amen. Say, say, say that out loud. Say, I'm not going to participate with sickness. I'm going to refuse sickness. I'm redeemed from sickness. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? Mm. So the things that he bore as my substitute, I don't have to carry. He bore our sicknesses and carried our pains. He bore those as our substitute. Just like when you get born again, you don't have to ever worry about going to hell because Jesus already went in your place. Right? As a matter of fact, nobody in the world ever has to go to hell if they'll put their faith in Jesus. Oh, glory. The main reason that it is the will of God to heal is we've been redeemed from sickness. That's the main reason. When people ask you, how do you know it's God's will to heal? Because I've been redeemed from it. I've been redeemed from it. Hallelujah. So God's best is that we know and that we then act in faith on that fact and begin to claim our rights. Amen. Look at Matthew 8, 17. Matthew 8, 17 just seals the deal where this is concerned. Because he says it plain out. Matthew says something plain out. Because there are people that will argue with you. There are people that will say Isaiah 53 is talking about spiritual sickness. And that God healed you spiritually. Well, there is a measure of spiritual healing, but the Bible refers to it as spiritual renewal. Or being made new in the Spirit. Right? Matthew 8, 17 says something. That it might be fulfilled, which... Well, let's back up and read verse 16 so we can see that. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. That word infirmities means weaknesses. Feebleness of health is what it means. And so He bore our feebleness of health and our diseases or our sicknesses. The Woos Bible says, He Himself took away our infirmities and carried off our diseases. So that proves beyond the shadow of a doubt that what Jesus carried was our sicknesses and our diseases. Is that right? Amen. So the main reason it's the will of God to heal is I've been redeemed from it. Amen. Another reason it's the will of God for us to be healed is this. The same spirit that performed all of Christ's miracles is still in the church today and he has all of his old time life giving power. The, the second reason that it's the will of God to heal today is the same spirit that performed all of Christ's miracles is still in the church and he still has all of his old time life giving power. Amen. I want to say this so you understand it. I'm not taking away from the deity of Jesus, but understand this. Jesus was not healing just because He's the Son of God or just because He was the Son of God. That's another half-truth. 
People will say, well, Jesus was healing to prove he was the Son of God. He didn't need anybody to prove that he was the Son of God. He was the Son of God, but that's not why he, why he was healing. Look at Acts 10. Acts chapter 10. And uh, verse 38. How God anointed, Right? Jesus of Nazareth, so stop right there. So if he was healing because he was the Son of God, why wasn't he healing when he was 12 or 19 or 20 or 21 or 25 or 29? He, didn't, he did not perform one miracle, one healing until he was 30 years of age and stood in the Jordan River and was anointed by God. Is that right? What, 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 why is this important? Because that same spirit is still in the church. That same anointing is still in the church. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with the power. And you could say it this way without hurting this scripture. Who then went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. He did not go about doing good and healing until he was anointed. Hallelujah. So God anointed Jesus, who after he was anointed, went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Because God was with him. Now, according to Jesus, it was the Father doing the works. He was the vessel, and the Father, the Father was the healer. Is that right? When Jesus healed the blind man in John chapter 9, whose works did he say that was? Father's. Right? Everything Jesus did brought glory to the Father. Because why? The Father is the, the initiator of all healing. Look at Acts 19. Acts 19 and uh, verse 11. Very familiar verse, but I want you to see something. Because this talks about the aprons and the handkerchiefs that came from Paul's body. But notice the first phrase in verse 11. And God wrought special miracles by the hand of Paul. Who, who wrought the miracles? Who performed the miracles? God did. Whose hands were they performed by? Paul's. But who did the miracles? Do you see that? And God was working so much in that area that from Paul's body, aprons and handkerchiefs came and demons were cast out when they came in contact with it and people were healed. But who was doing it? God. Now, why is this important? Because it's God's will to heal because that same spirit is still in the church. And it hasn't changed. God hasn't changed. It was the Father healing in the ministry of Jesus and healing in the ministry of Paul. Well, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 11, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he will quicken your mortal body. Bring to life your mortal body. Not, not, not just your spirit, your mortal body. Well, the same spirit 
that dwelt in Christ is the same spirit that he was anointed with, the same spirit that Paul was anointed with, and the same spirit that we're anointed with. Amen. Glory to God. Another reason it's God's will to heal is because of Jesus' last great commission and God's direct command in James 5.14. Because of Jesus' last great commission and God's direct command in James 5.14. Notice in Mark chapter 16. Am I helping you tonight? We're going to just keep looking at this over the next however long. Mark 16, verse 15. And he said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned or condemned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Now, make a note of that. These signs shall follow them that believe. Uh, Not these signs shall follow them that are apostles or them that are prophets, or them that have a special healing anointing, or them that are pastors, them that believe. Is that right? That's a good place to say, I'm a believer. Right? So these signs follow the believer. In my name, they'll cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They, they who? They Believers, those believers will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's important because that is the direct commission of Jesus. Jesus would not commission the church to do something that we've lost the power to do or lost the power to receive. People, I, I, listen, I was raised very close to denominations that taught, you know, all these miracles, signs, and wonders went out with the last apostle. Well, the problem is he's not talking to apostles. He's talking to believers. Hallelujah. Say, I'm a believer. See, this is a commission to the believer. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's a commission to the church. Notice in James 5, James chapter 5, and uh, verse 14. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will save the sick will save the sick. Well, that, that, that's that word, soteria, all right, or sozo, which is akin to the word shalom, mashalem, in the Hebrew, and one of the main meanings of it is healing, or deliverance, or preservation. So the prayer of faith, we could say, will heal the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. Now look at, look at the twofold application here. I got to believe 
and pray. Someone has to believe and call or ask. Someone has to believe and pray. But notice who raises them up. The Lord. Isn't that great? And there are people that will say, well, you know, but, but James was written to the 12 tribes that were scattered throughout the world. So it was written to the Jews. But isn't that funny? It says, let him call for the elders of the church. The church. We're the church. We're the iglesia. We're the called out ones. Right? This is important because this is a direction for the church age. Pray the prayer of faith over the sick and the Lord will raise him up. You know, John Wesley made a statement that I found was, was really stunning. He said, until it was stolen, talking about this verse, until it was stolen by unbelief, this was the only method the church had of receiving healing. Until it was stolen by unbelief. That what, what every believer has to fight against is unbelief. Not non-belief, unbelief. Non-belief is what a non-believer's in. Unbelief is a choice. Amen. That's why you never allow somebody else being healed or not being healed to affect what you believe about healing. Right? I'm healed regardless. I told one guy one time, he was battling a physical uh, battle, and I said, brother, here's what you got to do. You got to stand in faith. And I said, if you got to get out of your bed and get on your feet and declare, I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus, and then pass out back in the bed, that's what you do. But you get it out there, I'm healed in Jesus' name. And nothing's going to change that. Nothing's going to change that. Hallelujah. And then whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're facing, whatever you're battling, ever what comes on the world, it doesn't change what this says. I want you to see that there's no qualifier here. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, uh, parentheses, unless. Unless it's this, or unless it's that, or unless it's the other. No, it said if you're sick, right? And, and remember, sick is that feebleness, that, that weakness in your physical body. If you're sick, the prayer of faith will cause the Lord to raise you up. Whew. Hallelujah. Isn't that great? Amen. That's why we know it's the will of God to heal. This is proof that it's God's will to heal. And, and very often, I have found something that uh, we, we teach and we should teach on hindrances to healing. We should teach on those things. But just a, a little side note here. Very often, I have found that I'll find people that are so intent on looking for why they're not healed or why they're facing an issue or facing a, a challenge. I was talking, dealing with a guy one time. And uh, uh, he was in the middle of an attack, and I was praying with him, and uh, uh, he came out of it. But he said, Pastor, I've been looking for where I've left a door open. Where did I let the enemy in? And I was prompted by the Holy Spirit to tell him, you know, you may not have opened any door. The devil's a, a, a murderer. He's a, he's a killer. He'll just jump on you or try to, right? And so 
if there's something in your life that you see that's there, deal with it. But if you know there's not, take your stand of faith and declare that you are what God says you are. You're the healed of the Lord. Amen? Oh, glory. Another reason. Is this okay? That it's God's will to heal is because of His marvelous promises. The fulfillment of which depends on the exercise of our own faith. Another reason it's God's will to heal is because of His marvelous promises. The fulfillment of which depends on the exercise of our faith. Now I want to say something. First Peter, we read all these verses. 1 Peter 2.24, Matthew 8.17, Isaiah 53 and 5. Those are not promises. They're not promises. They are not healing promises. They are statements of something that's already been done. With His stripes, you are healed. With His stripes, you were healed. He bore our sicknesses, carried our diseases in His body. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't quote those verses and you shouldn't claim them and confess them. You should. But it's in the context of I am healed. I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus because Isaiah 53 and 5 says, With His stripes we are healed. Amen. They're statements of something that's already been done. It's already completed. Look here in Matthew 18. Hallelujah. We're just going to look at these tonight. Matthew 18. And you know this verse, but let's look at it again. Matthew 18, 18 and 19. Truly I say to you, whosoever, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if any two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything you shall ask, they shall ask, it will be done of them of my Father which is in heaven. This is a promise that God will do something. Now notice what it says. As touching anything. Anything cannot exclude healing. Because it wouldn't be anything. If he said anything they ask, parentheses, except healing, then it wouldn't be anything that we ask. Anything. Now, here's what I always ask people. Is there anything that's not in that word anything? No. No, there's not. This is important because notice what he says. He says, if you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they will ask, it'll be done for them of my father. That's a promise. That's a promise. A promise that God will do something. What is the something he will do? Anything we ask. Now let that sink in, because that's a limit breaker. Anything that I ask. Hallelujah. Look over in Matthew 21. Matthew 21 and verse 22. 
And all things whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. All things that you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. So the only qualifier there is I got to believe. Well, think about this for a moment. Remember the man that they brought the, his son to Jesus? We talked about this, uh, uh, what was it, uh, Wednesday, last Wednesday, I think, talking about our authority. They brought the boy to Jesus, and he said your disciples couldn't cast him out because they didn't believe in their authority. And remember what Jesus said? He, he, he said, uh, the King James says, if you can believe all things are possible... But in the King James, the man asked Jesus, if you can do anything, help us. In the Greek, it says Jesus answered that with this. As for this question of yours, I am a believing one, and all things are possible to a believing one. And what the man say, Lord, I believe. I believe that you're a believing one, and I believe that all things are possible to you. Help my unbelief. That's the answer. If you're having an issue with believing, ask God to help you with your unbelief. Because He'll do it. He'll show you, take you to the information you need, whatever needs to happen. Hallelujah. But all things is a promise that what? We'll receive if we believe it. You remember Mark eleven twenty two through 24. He said, Jesus said, have faith in God, for truly I say to you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith comes to pass, he'll have whatever he says. Is that right? That's a promise that you'll have it if you believe you receive it. Well, he said, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive. What things soever... Includes healing. Is that right? That's, that's, that's why we know it's God's will to heal. Because he said whatever you ask. So, the issue then is not on the performing end, it's on the asking end. And that's why the enemy fights people with unworthiness, fights people with condemnation, fights people with guilt, fights people with whatever, because he's trying to keep them from asking. And he fights people with this idea that faith is not saying anything about something. That's not faith. When, uh, when uh, Brother Hagin's grandson, Craig, was 13, uh, they found a tumor the size of a man's hand on his brain stem. And uh, uh, he was 13, and, and the doctor said, we need to operate immediately. And the family said, give us a couple weeks to pray about it and, and, and seek the Lord. And so they did, and uh, they were seeking the Lord. And Brother Hagen came to him, and he said, uh, you know, surgery is a second line of defense. But he made the statement, every good and every perfect gift comes from God. And it's Jesus' will to bring life and life more abundantly. He said, so do you believe that if you go through with the surgery, you know, everything will be okay? And he said, you know, I was 13. He said, I, I told him, yeah, I can believe that. 
And he said, okay, then let's join our faith there. And well, they got in there and they got all the tumor out, but uh, uh, a part that they couldn't because it was so close to the brain stem. Well, uh, they said, you know, we'll have to deal with that later. Well, by the time he went back for a second CT scan, that part had disappeared. So they still got a miracle. But here's the point that I'm making with this is notice it wasn't a lack of faith to have the surgery. It wasn't a lack of faith to take the medicine. It wasn't a lack of faith to go to the doctor. The lack of faith is in what you're putting your dependence on. Right? See, I have this marvelous promise that I'll have anything that I ask in prayer. Amen. That's the end result. Notice John 14. Oh, thank you, Lord. John 14 and verse 13. And whatever you will ask in my name, that will I, will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. The word ask there is to demand. Well, we don't demand of God, but you demand sickness to leave your body and God will back you up. Whatever you ask in my name. Now, why is that important? Notice the word again. Whatever you ask. Whatever you ask. That's a marvelous promise. And notice there's no, there's no parenthetical statement there, except. Unless. Whatever you ask. I'll do it. Who's going to get the glory? The Father. Why? He's the one doing the work. Isn't that great? Now, just right over the next chapter, John 15 and verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will. And it will be done to you. Ask whatever you will. And it will be done for you. Now there are people I've heard them say, well, you know, that doesn't mean whatever you want. Then what does it mean? I mean, then what does it mean? There are people always looking for a hidden meaning in things. God's not trying to trick you. God's not saying something he doesn't mean. Right? He's not dangling a carrot out there in front of you and then you ask and he goes, no, not for you. He's not doing that. Why? We have evidence in the ministry of Jesus. No one that came to Jesus for healing did not get healed. No one. We have that small segment in his own hometown that did not believe him and they didn't get healed. But we have numerous references that said multitudes came and he healed them all. That's his desire. There was nobody that Jesus met and he said, nope, you're not quite ripe enough yet. You're not ready for healing yet. Nope. And nobody that Jesus healed was saved. Nobody was filled with the Holy Ghost. Nobody had a right relationship with God. Nobody. How much more... 
should we who are the righteousness of God in Christ and bought by the blood of Jesus receive whatever we ask? Hallelujah. Because of that marvelous promise. Everybody that Jesus healed received on credit. The promissory note for you and I has been paid. We're not receiving on credit. It's our inheritance. Glory be to God. So whatever we ask, we receive. And notice, this is what you would call all-inclusive promises. You know, you see uh, uh, advertisements on TV for, uh, you know, uh, getaways and beach vacations and and cruises and river cruises, and they make the statement, it's an all-inclusive. What does that mean? Your meals, your room, your everything that you may want. It's all-inclusive. These are all-inclusive promises. Whatever you ask. Anything you ask. All things. When Jesus said that to that young boy's father, he said all things were possible to a believing one. All things are possible. So what does that mean? Whatever you're dealing with, maybe in your physical body, your, the, the area of your life, it can look like an impossibility in the natural, but Jesus said all things were possible. So that's not just holding out hope. That means if I will believe that, it's possible. Amen. Many things in the Old Testament are a picture of Jesus. Types and shadows. That's why I called this series Types and Shadows. Types and shadows of Jesus. We'll get deeper into them uh, next week, but we do want to look at a couple of them real quick. We're not going to go to a lot of scripture, but uh, the brass serpent in the wilderness. The Bible says the children of Israel had uh, transgressed the law of God. They had murmured. They had complained. uh, And the Bible says that serpents came on them. Well, a serpent is obviously a sign of the curse or a symbol of the curse. And the Bible says that God instructed Moses to put a brass serpent on a pole and put it in the middle of the camp. And he said, and it shall come to pass that whosoever looketh upon the serpent will be healed. Well, Jesus said in the book of John, he said, that's going to come to pass because the Son of Man will be lifted up and whoever looks on him will be saved. And people said, why didn't God use a lamb? Or why didn't God use, you know, some other symbol? Why did he use a serpent? Why did he use a a form of the curse? Because that's what Jesus defeated on the cross. The very thing that was destroying people's life is what Jesus became. He became a curse for us. That's what the Bible says. He became sin that knew no sin. Uh, uh, Galatians 3 says, Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law, having been made a curse for me. Notice the verbiage, made a curse for me. Remember what we said earlier in the message? Anything he did for me, I don't have to do. I don't have to be under. Anything he he worked for me, anything he was my substitute, he became my substitute and suffered the pain of the curse and the destruction of the curse so that I can enjoy the liberty and the freedom and the life of the blessing. Amen. Hallelujah. That's why I'm looking at at, at all y'all tonight. And in the middle of the situation that the world's been going with, you're blessed, 
you're healed, you're whole, your life is good, God's taking care of you, He's keeping you, because you're not under the curse, you're under the blessing. And it doesn't matter what goes on in the world around us, the blessing governs. Because Christ became a curse for us. When you look at the picture of Abraham and Isaac on the Mount of Mount Moriah and the ram in the thicket, the Bible tells us that the ram in the thicket was a symbol and a shadow of Jesus Christ being the substitute. God asked for the son of Abraham. He asked for Isaac. When Abraham, by faith, went through with that act and put his son on the altar, God honored his faith and brought a substitute. Jesus was our substitute. He, it was not just that He died in our place. Understand something. You dying would have done no good. There had to be a substitute that could, that could suffer in our place so that we could be redeemed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when you think about sickness, somebody has already been made sick with that sickness. There's no need for two people to suffer. That, that's important. It's, it's like the lady that was, uh, uh, lived in London, England, World War II, older lady. And, uh, you know, at, during the Blitzkrieg, for instance, I mean, all through the night they were bombing London. You know, didn't bomb in the day, bombed at night. They couldn't see the planes. And so this older lady, first couple times, she went to the bomb shelter. And finally, after a while, they didn't see her anymore. Well, they didn't know what happened to her. You know, had she been hit by a bomb or, or what had happened? And so one day, one day, one morning, they were walking on, on the street, and they saw her. And they said, hey, you know, where, where have you been? We haven't seen you. And she said, well, what do you mean you haven't seen me? Well, we haven't seen you in the shelter. She said, no, I haven't been coming. And they said, well, why not? She said, well, I read in the Word where it says, the Lord my God neither slumbers nor sleeps. And she said, I figured there wasn't no sense in both of us staying up all night. <laughs> Amen. And, and, you know, from what I know, she made it through and, and, and never was touched by that. Right? If, if Jesus already became sick with that sickness... Why do I, I don't want to participate. Do you see this? Uh, the year of Jubilee in the Old Testament is a type. Because it's a type of the preaching of the gospel. In the year of Jubilee, anybody that was bound, anybody that had lost property, anybody that had lost, uh, uh, become indebted or enslaved, at that 50-year period of time, was set free. Jesus said in Luke chapter 4, He said, I have come to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. The acceptable year of the Lord is the year of Jubilee. And He said, that's what I'm proclaiming. I'm proclaiming liberty to the captives. And notice something. Isaiah says, the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of the vengeance of our God. Jesus never said that. He didn't come to preach the day of the vengeance of our God. He came to preach the liberty and the, and the releasing of captives. So the jubilee is a shadow of Jesus Christ. 
Noah's Ark is a type of Christ. Deliverance from destruction. Safe in that ark. That's, 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 that's akin to Psalm 91. When I dwell in the secret place of the Most High God, I'll stay under the shadow of the Almighty. That, that's important. Because remember what David said in Psalm 23? He said, if I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear any evil because you're with me. Well, how did he know he was with him? Because even in the shadow, valley of the shadow of death, he was still under the shadow of the Almighty. It doesn't matter what valley you're walking through when you're walking with the biggest thing in the valley. Doesn't matter. Amen. Hallelujah. It's, it's, it's like, you know, the, the, the young boy that was, that was at a store one time and uh, uh, there was some, this was back in the day when they had the, uh, uh, I don't know what they call them, the, uh, maybe you've seen them little like uh, shuffleboard games, you know, and, and, and they got the little metal disc and, the, and the, the, the stuff on the deal. Now, some of y'all used to go places where they played that game and it wasn't a good place, but you, you remember what I'm saying. Well, this was a store, and they were there, and, and, and some men were playing that game. And, well, you know, as a little kid, he, you, know, you can't keep your hands to yourself. So they just reached up and grabbed, he reached up and grabbed one of them. And boy, that guy came around that game and he's mad. And all of a sudden, that boy said his daddy stepped around in front of him and said, is there a problem with the boy? And he said, I was behind my daddy going, yeah. Is there a problem here? No, there's, there's, there's no problem. I didn't think so. Right? I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but I know who I'm with. So I won't fear any evil. It's deliverance from destruction. Here's what, I, what I've said for years. Jesus was totally destroyed. The, the word that's used in the Old Testament for Jesus, death was annihilation. He was totally destroyed. So you wouldn't have to be. Amen. The sin offering in the Old Testament was a type of Christ. The sin offering. When someone would sin, they would bring the, the ram, bring the goat to Jesus. Or I say to Jesus, to the priest. And they would pronounce that person's sin on that animal and offer it. The sin offering in the Old Testament was a type of Christ. Now that's important because when, when the same cross that he bore my sins on, he bore my sicknesses and my diseases on. He didn't complete part of the job and not get all the job done. That's important. We've said a lot of important things tonight. Amen. But when you, when you make that decision, when you make that decision, that anything that he suffered in my place, I'm not going to suffer it. I remember uh, when this became so real to me. Of course, I was raised around healing. My dad uh, had a healing ministry for, well, his whole ministry. And, uh, but, you know, there's something about this that being around it and knowing the truth of it, and operating it. God doesn't want you living from miracle to miracle. 
Because if you live from miracle to miracle, you never build your faith to receive by faith. And faith is God's best. And so my point in saying that is uh, I remember the day that I had to make a decision. Pastor Michelle and I had, I don't know, we'd been married, I guess, five years or so. And uh, uh, I had went to work. I'd got up and I wasn't feeling well when I went to work, but I went to work anyway. And uh, I got there and, and finally my manager said, you know, you need to go home. And here's the point. Is I came home and I sat down in the chair and I got my Bible out and I went over there to Isaiah 53 and 5. And I remember the statement I made to the Lord. I said, now, Lord, either this is true or it's not. Now, if it's true, I'm believing I'm healed. I'm believing I'm healed. And, you know, it took me about probably three or four hours to run that off. But I, I found something out. I could run it off. And once I figured that out, the days of sickness in my life were over. And that's why there's got to, at some point, Brother Hagen told the story of being in Southern California back uh, uh, when the Asian flu came out. Isn't it funny? They always got to put a name on it. Asian flu, pig flu, bird flu, some kind of flu, flu flu. And... Uh, <laughs> people say well it's serious I don't take the time to respect sickness you can do whatever you want I have no honor for it none and I don't mind telling you I'll never have it my family will never have it hallelujah and he said and he said uh, uh, that that flu had come out and he had read in the paper where they they uh, two of the biggest football teams had to cancel their game because one squad had like 42 guys on it and only two of them had been able to show up for practice. And he said he was in a meeting and he said that thing was packed out. They had three or four or 500 seat sanctuary packed out and then this flu bug hit and he said we were down to 42 people. And he said I was talking to some ministers. Ministers. You know how Brother Hagin would say Ministers. Preachers. And he said, uh, we were talking after service, and uh, he said uh, they were talking about this flu. And he said, uh, Brother Hagen, they asked him, well, what do you think about it? And he said, well, he said, I don't mind telling you, I'll never have it. And said, one of the ministers stepped up to him and went, oh, Brother Hagen, I wouldn't say that for nothing. And he said, well, why not? And he said, don't you know the devil might hear you? And he said, yeah, I know he'll hear me. He's just the guy I want to hear me. I'm saying it for his benefit. Amen. When you get a hold of the truths that we've talked about, and I'm not saying you don't have them. When, when you begin to operate in those truths and you begin to get it so ingrained in your spirit that you can teach somebody else. That'll be your mindset. And you got to do what you're going to do. I'm going to give you advice. You do whatever you want to do with it. Shut the news off. Don't listen to it. You put garbage in, you get garbage out. And there's people that you know and that I know 
that are so busy listening to numbers and so busy listening to statistics and so busy listening to what the world's saying, they can't keep their focus on what God said. Well, I want to be informed. I am informed. With His stripes, I'm healed. That's all I need to know. That's all I need to know. Amen. That is so important. Praise God. Well, let's stand up, shall we? We got a lot of more weeks on this, so glory to God. Thank you, Lord. I believe God. I trust everybody had a good Thanksgiving. I talked to somebody today, and they said I ate every sweet thing that was there. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Pastor Michelle was leaving, and, and we had, of course, we had all of our kids, and, and she sent this bunch of food with our son and daughter from Illinois and some more with the, the other son and, and daughter from there from Kansas. And uh, the only thing she left in the house for me was pumpkin cheesecake. And uh, I can't eat it, so hallelujah. So she said, well, freeze it for me. And I said, okay, hallelujah. But glory to God, God's good, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you tonight for the truth that we've seen from the Word of God. Lord, we thank you that in truth and in reality, Jesus became our substitute and bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases, bore our pains. And it's on the basis of that that we declare we are not the sick, we are the healed. And we declare that as you said in your word in Deuteronomy chapter 7, Lord, that none of the diseases of Egypt that you know will come on you. Because I will take all sickness from your midst. And so, Lord, we thank you. We thank you that we are in a healing bubble. We're in a redemptive bubble. We are governed by the blessing. And there is a blessing wall between us and the world. And we're the healed of the Lord. And we thank you, Father. That we're healed not just from something that may be prevalent today, but we are healed from whatever the enemy would try to bring into our lives. We're healed in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name.